Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on and so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners, can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash drink. That's rosettastone.com slash drink. Hello, my friends. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, We are releasing a live episode this week, which is something we have not done in a very long time. Um, nothing catastrophic has happened, um, unless I guess Em and Eva might punch me for saying that because there may have been a bout or two of food poisoning involved in our touring this past week. There also may have been, um, some lost luggage, including a laptop. Yikes. Okay. So maybe it was a bit catastrophic, but nothing really that bad. Right, Em and Eva? We're going to laugh about this later. (laughs) Oh, they're going to kill me. This is our live show from Denver many, many years ago. I don't remember what the heck I covered, but Eva found the old audio and listened to it and said it was fun. And apparently that was the week there was a bomb cyclone happening in the area and everyone was just kind of throwing that term around like we were supposed to know what it meant. But anyway, we figured we're going to Denver soon. Uh, Things kind of went awry this week. So here's a live episode of a previous visit to Denver. Why does it sound like I'm making that up? I swear I'm not making that up. This is literally a live show of a visit to Denver. I'm trying to prevent my voice from doing that thing at the end where it goes up and it sounds like a question because we really did go to Denver and this really is an episode of our Denver show. Now I'm spiraling. Okay, enjoy this live show. I can't wait to listen. Love you so much. Okay, bye. Thank you for coming to our once sold out show, but now I think half of you braved the storm. So thank <laughs> you for, for being the troopers. troopers. Yeah. Ooh. 
Jinx. Hey. Uh, we are excited and happy that this didn't get canceled, so yay. Yes. <laughs> and also, thank you for uh, being super loud because it makes our anxiety go away. Yay. <laughs> maybe not go away, but maybe hide for a little while. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. At least until this is over. <laughs> Uh, so we do want to address uh, that yesterday. I don't know who was here yesterday. If you asked, what did I do? You pointed at me. No, no, no. We uh, we have experienced uh, not much because we've been traveling a lot. But one thing we definitely got out of our Denver experience is um, altitude sickness. Yes, that was terrible. And we uh, didn't know what it was for a while either. <laughs> we we got here and as soon as we landed, I didn't feel right. And then and then I was like, I feel like. I could sleep for a thousand years. And then, and then I lied down in bed and then I was like, I don't think I'm breathing. And then I had one glass of wine and I was like, something's very wrong. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's very wrong. And we hadn't really talked about it with each other, but then we came here and uh, someone <laughs> working with us backstage gave us a bunch of water and said, you should drink up in case you get any altitude sickness. And we both just went, oh. <laughs> And then Eva, lovely Miss Eva, goes, oh, right. She used to live here. She's like, oh, right, I forgot to, like, tell you guys about that. And we are like, <laughs> Eva, like, we're dying. We're dying. So, we're fine. Uh, we're better. I'm better today. I'm solid. Yeah. But I wasn't yesterday, and I had to warn the whole room. I have this thing where uh, sometimes I get really lightheaded, and so I have to, like, turn upside down so, like, <laughs> blood rushes back to my head. And I had to warn everyone they might just see me, like, like, fail at a handstand in the middle of the show. <laughs> so I'm glad this might go more smoothly than that. So anyway, thank you guys for uh, having us. We're happy that this worked out and that we're here. Yay. Yay, yay. Everyone was tweeting like, is this still happening? And we were like, I think so. I don't know. We're just going to Uber over there. So we'll find out. People if, show up. We didn't have five people to be here or all of you guys. So thank you. Thanks for uh, coming to our intimate show. So uh, we do have a drinking game for you. Right. If you're willing and able. If you want to brave the cold. Yeah. Yes. Drink till you're warm. Drink till you're warm. Uh, drink till we're funny. Also very much for that. And drink until both of those things happen. Yes. Um, so good luck. I hope you uh, have a designated driver. <laughs> if you need more structure than that, we do have some rules. We do. And uh, made them up. Yeah, I made them. They're my rules. It's basically whenever Christine does anything, drink. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mainly, I guess, uh, drink if Christine gasps. It's extremely unlikely, so I wouldn't worry about that. <laughs> At the last show, people couldn't tell if you were gasping or, like, we couldn't breathe. Yeah. <laughs> so someone, like, do we drink or call an ambulance? Like, <laughs> he said whenever Christine gasps and someone's like, she's just trying to get oxygen yeah. to her lungs. Yeah. Like, <gasps> <gasps> it's true. <laughs> uh, also, drink if Christine goes, uh, says, listen. We'll see. So at that point, you're pretty warm and we're pretty funny, right? <laughs> like, you've drank enough. No uh, And then also drink if Christine goes, sure, 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 sure. Yeah, I do do that one. I do that one more than I care to admit, yeah. Um, but I do, I invented my own rule because I was jealous that M got all the rules. So my rule is that you have to drink anytime M says, fun fact, which is a lot, by the way. <laughs> like, a lot, a lot. And it's never a fun fact. No, it's not fun. It always so don't makes get you, excited about that. <laughs> it always makes you feel kind of sad you had to hear it. Yeah. Uh, also, drink if we talk about the sweet baboon, little baby Geo. Yeah. 
He's back home in the warm sunshine. Oh, Must be so nice. Sweet. Oh, <laughs> also this... drink if we uh, tell Eva what to do, which we have yelled at her a lot about what to do. Yeah, just face I'm your cold, first drink Eva, now. help me. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, we'll probably tell her what to do, we do without even realizing it, so just be prepared. Yeah. Uh, Drink-wise, have your glass full. Uh, and then I guess Is that's that it. it? I, we have two bonus rounds, so drink All if right. we talk about my arch nemesis, Lemon. No. <laughs> lemon is safe and sound in the sunshine with Geo. Lemon's doing great, apparently. <laughs> uh, and then also drink if I go, honestly? No. It's just fucking funny. Yeah, not, I do I do drink during that, but I'm not, not for fun reasons. It's funny. I'm just saying it's fucking hysterical. Also, Christine genuinely actually No, I don't that. like it, so stop laughing at it. So when, Thank you. Whenever I go, honestly, it's just funny. She goes, honestly, shut the fuck up. So That's a, like actual verbatim, yes. Yeah. So uh, we hope that's enough to tie you over. <laughs> but just uh, like, if you're like, am I supposed to? Yeah, just yeah. drink. That's kind of how we play the game. Yeah. <laughs> it's everyone wins is the fun part of that. So, I, win, I win the most, but you guys can get runner up. Yeah. Right. Well, we're starting the show, and look at how full this bottle Eva is. Eva and I were sharing <laughs> it. <laughs> Eva and I were sharing it. Yesterday we weren't, but I learned from your altitude that <laughs> it's not a fun game to play. That being said, I guess let's crack into it? Yes. Let's. Okay. You can drink to that one, too, I guess. Yeah. While we're at it. Yeah. Anytime there's, like, an awkward silence, just... <laughs> Shovel them down. <laughs> okay, so I tried to pick a story that I thought you guys would know. So you would, when you applaud, it wouldn't be because you feel bad for me. It would be because <laughs> you're like actually excited. So um, I tried to find, I typed in like most haunted Denver. I mean, it was a basic Google search. Um, but Someone jokingly asked that in the meet and greet line yesterday. They were like, how do you find your stories? Do you just type in like Denver ghost, Denver murder? And we were like, fuck, how do they know that? that well, <laughs> She was like, what's your process? Yeah, well, and I was like, what right. process? We frantically like, well. Googling. Uh, anyway, I frantically Googled. And I, this was like the first one on many, many listicles, if you will. Um, so this is the story of Cheeseman Park. Cheeseman. <laughs> Who's to say if you actually knew that or felt bad? I think I've heard of it. If I've heard of it, they've heard of it. So Okay, good. Well, I made sure it is Cheeseman Park. Yes? Cool. I thought you were telling them. I was like, okay. In case God. you didn't know. Jesus. <laughs> well, I have actually, we've done live shows, and I was in the city that, telling a story that they all knew, and I was just saying it yeah, wrong. Yeah, that time. was awkward. So no one felt the need to correct they me. They drink a lot, though, so it's <laughs> fine. That should be part of the game. Drink if I mispronounce something. Oh, no, that's dangerous. You'll be <laughs> annihilated by the end. So this one actually does start with an actual fun fact. So I'm telling you, it happens the entire time. So apparently uh, Cheeseman Park and the ghosts there are part of the inspiration for the movie Poltergeist. Mm. Ooh, ah. I did not know that. So uh, I'm going to go into a little bit of the history. Some of it's fun, some of it's not. So <laughs> okay, be ready. So let's travel back to 1858. Let's. My favorite year. Mm -hmm. Remember it well. <laughs> Fondly, yeah. So, uh, General William Larimer, do we know that name? 
Oh, okay. I bet you there's like a Larimer High School or something. So there is something wow. like that. Wow. I'm good at this. <laughs> so uh, he's apparently the founder of Denver? Yeah. Okay, cool. And the founder They were of less school, confident apparently. about that one, but... <laughs> okay. They're like, whoa, 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 I participated. We're... <laughs> this is your job. Right. So uh, General Larimer, he uh, took 320 acres and built them into... Mount Prospect Cemetery, which was the first cemetery that was on this property. When I say took, I mean he took it from Native Americans. Oh, so. wow. No very, comment. But that is extremely yes. shocking information. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, well, that, that, that comes into play later. So he uh, used the acres and built Mount Prospect Cemetery. So then he decided that uh, this was going... I think this was also the very first cemetery in Denver. And so he had this layout in his mind of where all the types of bodies would go. What? I know. So, he decided that only the richest and uh, most elite bodies, dead bodies, could be buried at the top of the hill. <laughs> the most elite dead bodies. Cool. I Got don't know it. what that Got means. It. That makes so That's total sense. That's up for you to figure out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he said that people in the middle class could be kind of buried on the hill, but like kind of like at an angle, like <laughs> they're sloping down. And then, uh, and then the more lower class you were, the closer to the edge of the cemetery you were allowed to be buried. So that was his cool, genius point. Cool, that's nice. Uh, he sounds like a great guy so far. No, well, yeah, taking land and, yeah, he sounds like a real asshole. Super so, winner. <laughs> Sorry about uh, your elementary school or whatever it was. <laughs> so... Uh, this is not the first person to be buried, buried there, but the second person to be buried there was uh, John Stoffel and his murder victim. Ooh, it's a twist. What? So, uh, so him, his murder, him and his murder victim are both buried there. His murder victim is also his brother-in-law. Oh, no. So family drama. So in 1859, so a year after the cemetery was built, uh, John came to Denver to visit his brother-in-law, and apparently they got into a fight, and he shot him. Oh, dear. Uh, he was convicted of murder, and they were both buried together. And by together, Wait, I mean convic- together together. They were dumped into the same grave. Oh. Wait, he was convicted of murder? What, did they execute him? Or, like, why they, is he they also dead? Oh, okay. Him. I was like, he just... Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to tell there? you that. Okay. I wanted you to figure Phew. it out. Okay. <laughs> I thought no, they so buried him alive with his murder victim. That oh. is a little bit That's much. a punishment. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. And Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter 
has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So yeah, so they are both, they were the second and third people to be buried there, and they are buried together. Oh dear. Fun fact. So. Em, stop it. In 1865, there were so many graves in the Catholic section, because he, remember he's like divvying up where everyone gets to stay, whether you're rich or your religion, all that. So the uh, Catholic section was, there were just too many graves. So he sold that land to the archdiocese and created Mount Calvary Cemetery. So it was the Catholic people were buried in their own cemetery now next to sure. the bigger cemetery. Okay. A couple years later, Congress said that um, the cemetery was federal land and they wanted to sell it to the city of Denver. And so they renamed it Denver City Cemetery. Clever. I know. <laughs> they didn't take a lot of time to name it. <laughs> so then, and it also got nicknamed to just City Cemetery. So now as City Cemetery, it has over time fallen into disrepair and it's known as the old boneyard um which is ironic because apparently cheeseman park is also has a reputation for being a meetup for gay men okay okay Okay. not part of the history at all just something i learned and needed to share that is a fun fact and that is when you say fun fun fact thank you not at the other stuff. That's the funnest fact you've said so far. So anyway, the old boneyard, as it were. So. I love it. Beautiful. Uh, so <laughs> That's pretty good. Thank you. Mm. I get a good dad joke in there every now and then. <laughs> dad joke? I don't know about that. With the gay, gay boneyard. All right, I don't know. okay. A All fun right. dad. Quit while you're ahead, my friend. <laughs> It's fine, it's fine, it's just funny, so. Shit, weird, this is a troublesome for me. Bye, Christine. Bye. See you tomorrow. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> so, uh, this, at this point, because the whole place is just kind of getting run down, um, mainly criminals and uh, people who are not claimed are buried here. Oh, dear. Um, and tombstones are falling over, and apparently there is an infestation of prairie dogs. What the fuck? Yeah? Okay, so that's not a crazy thing to, to see. Okay. They're like, yeah, duh. They're like, who doesn't have a prairie dog infestation? <laughs> and uh, apparently also a lot of cattle started just kind of waltzing on in and just what the knocking hell? things over. And... Sure, okay. So between prairie dogs and cows, this place was just ridden silly with them. So 
uh, embarrassed by the reputation that it was just kind of not to being taken care of well at all, um, General Larimer renamed the burial ground uh, in 1873. I didn't get what that name was, but he renamed it again because apparently you have to change his name. In 1873. And uh, it didn't help, though, because he wanted to start fixing it up and making it look nice. But uh, at that same time, a smallpox hospital oh, no. was built right next door. Oh, no. And thousands of people were not just being... We're not just going there to get uh, treatment, but a lot of family members were leaving them there to die. Oh, no. Uh, and since they had so many patients and they didn't know what to do with all of them dying, they also, in their own backyard, started just creating mass graves. Oh, my God. So there was just more bodies upon more bodies, and they weren't able to clear up any of the property. Uh, and it said, I saw that it added thousands of bodies to an, an area already bearing thousands of bodies. So. Sure. Um, at the same time, the cemetery was uh, just looking like crap, apparently. <laughs> the, the city was like, okay, we got to do something about this. And this is around the 18, late 1880s at this point. And the city asked Congress to make the cemetery a park. Um, apparently, it was like really nice real estate at that time. And they're like, we need to do something else with it. It's clearly not really being a cemetery anymore. So let's turn it into something else that people will use. So in 1890, um, Congress allowed the city to create Congress Park, but they first needed to remove the bodies. So it now officially oh, great. now ahead. officially has the name Congress Park, but they're like, well, we're going to do a bunch of cleanup first before it's really a park. So in 1893, the all the families of people who had loved ones that were buried in the previous cemetery. They were all told that they had 90 days to exhume the bodies. Oh, my God. Why is that on them? And bury them elsewhere. I don't, I don't know. What the fuck? Okay. So most of the bodies were never claimed. Apparently out of uh, approximately 5,000 bodies in the cemetery, only 700 were claimed and exhumed. Wait, and what year was this? 1893. Yeah, you can't just, like, email people and be like, like, how are you supposed to find all these people's relatives? Like, your carrier pigeon, like, can't, get, can't fly that far. <laughs> no. Uh, so most of the bodies were never claimed and for the 5,000 bodies that were not claimed, they need to be removed by the city. And so the city hired a guy named E.P. McGovern. What um, a cool name. Not a cool guy though. Hang oh, on. never mind. I tried. So he had a contract with the city that he was going to exhume and rebury the bodies in brand new caskets. Um, he was going to rebury them. I guess there was a cemetery up north and he was supposed to bring them there. And he was going to get paid almost $2 per body. Or technically $2 per casket. So oh, dear. Okay. Uh, he realized that, oh, well, if there's... I can probably make a profit off of this and make more money if there's more caskets. And so he, instead of using adult-sized caskets... No, nah. ...used child-sized caskets. So that way there would be... Apparently, three child-sized caskets fit one adult body. What? So he was tripling his profit. What the fuck? And Sorry. So Sometimes I forget I have a microphone literally two millimeters from my face. I didn't mean to scream that at you. Based, since they were smaller. Is that better? Since the caskets were smaller, it meant that they would require, it would require more of them to stuff a whole body into. And <sighs> stuff is the correct word. I didn't oh, mess God. that up. Uh, because he would exhume the body. He would uh, dismember it. No. Quote, into chunks. And then stuff them into caskets until they were full. Okay. And then uh, 
there's an article that said, this caused quite a mess with limbs and bones scattered about. Wow. You scattered think? about. <laughs> um, That's quite a cute way to put it, I guess. Right. <laughs> and there was some excuse kind of going around at one point that there was like a cat, an adult-sized casket shortage. And so he was like, well, I needed to use children's no, caskets. No, that's not a thing. I don't believe it. Which, him. like, if there is a shortage, then just wait until there's more and <laughs> then bury them. Uh, but anyway, so bodies were literally broken up and then uh, sent apart from each other. So there might be, like, this is really, sorry. There's, like, a head on one side of town and, like, their arm on the other side of town because they were just moving caskets and not labeling them, not giving them uh, markers when they got to the graveyard, just bringing them to the cemetery and all these bodies oh, are just no. everywhere. So... Fun fact. M. <laughs> Stop. So this also attracted looters to the cemetery because McGovern would not only be doing this horrible process, but he was pulling out caskets faster than he could actually dismember the bodies. And so he was leaving caskets open for years. Oh, dear. Until he could get to them. Until like it was their turn in line. So he would go home after working and then people would just like, just strip the bodies from clothes and jewelry and um, was not good. No, 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 no. So people were coming in and knocking over headstones. Basically they were just violating the entire area. And in the 1870s, the authorities had been warned multiple times about what McGovern was doing, um, but they ignored it because they just wanted the bodies removed. And uh, finally someone really looked into it and I guess everyone was kind of thinking it was a rumor and they didn't believe it, but then they realized, like, there are three times as many caskets being buried and they're all child-sized. Oh, so, God. Uh, they finally figured out that the rumors were true and so the city canceled their contract with him, um, but they did not bother removing the rest of the two to 3,000 bodies oh, that he shit. didn't get to. So you're not perfect, Denver. <laughs> I didn't say it. <laughs> that and uh, altitude sicknesses, your only problems, but. <laughs> and this bullshit outside, whatever that is. <laughs> while, we're, while we're adding to the list, I yeah. guess. <laughs> but that's it, that's it. So a year later, the city leveled the land, um, and just to get the whole project over with, they were literally just pulling out leftover headstones. Um, like, put, taking out headstones that are actually still over graves of bodies. Right. So they were now creating unmarked graves and just throwing the headstones away. So Super. they would just have, like, flat land to use as a park. Um, if there were open graves, they would just put shrubs and plants in them to, like, cover it up. Oh, God. And by 1907, you guys had a park. So congratulations. <laughs> you did it! I'm so proud of you. So by 1907, Congress Park was built. Uh, when building Congress Park, uh, they, it, everyone was pretty nervous because the city didn't actually have a lot of funding um, to be able to get it done. But kind of out of the woodwork, there was uh, a widow who donated $100,000, and she said that her husband would have loved the park and wanted it to go towards a pavilion. And they then named the pavilion and that part of the park after them, which is Cheeseman Park. Oh. Ooh, you're wondering where it showed up. They were like, cool up. last name. We got to name this park after <laughs> you. So uh, in 1950, the city of Denver got the uh, Mount Calvary property, like the where all the Catholic bodies are being buried. They got that land back, and so now they had an even larger chunk of land to do something with, and they turned that into the 
uh, Botanic Garden. They know what that is, where all the Catholic bodies are buried, so. Oh, charming, charming. <laughs> Say a prayer when you get there. <laughs> so for the most part, uh, the rest of the property is now residential, but that's apparently, uh, it's Cheeseman Park, and then it's the Botanical Gardens, and then it's Congress Park, right? Does that make sense? Okay. And then it's surrounded by residential areas, but those buildings were built on top of land that was also used to be part of the cemetery, which means all of those apartments are currently also buried on top of bodies. Super. So do you live there? Uh-oh. <laughs> Party at your house. <laughs> um, nowadays, so just like how the Boneyard reference, how it used to be a meetup for gay men. Right. Your clever joke, yes, we remember. Remember how funny I was? Keep yeah. drinking, in case you forgot. <laughs> um, so nowadays, Cheese and Park is actually uh, very proud to be the main LGBT gathering spot for big events such as the oh, Pride nice. Festival and the AIDS Walk. That's pretty baller. So good for you guys. Very happy about Very that. good. Um, but bodies are still found in the park and the gardens. Okay. All the time. Well, <laughs> I had you on enough, and then I got you on. A, it's a roller coaster with me. Never know what you're going to get. So uh, body parts are still, uh, I wouldn't say regularly found, but they are found often enough that when they are reported, people are like, okay. <laughs> Super. <laughs> Like, that checks out. I don't oh need to see it. I believe you. God, okay. So uh, the last uh, couple reports that I saw were in 2008 and 2010. Uh, during construction work near the pavilion, six different skeletons were found, which isn't too long ago. That's, wow, okay. Uh, and also there is a horror film called The Changeling, and it is about... Oh, yeah, that's yes. a good movie. It is about the activity that... So it was written by uh, someone that actually used to live in the apartments next to the park and the shit that happened in his apartment. Ooh. So loosely based on his personal experience next to Cheeseman Park. Wow. Is that about a kid that goes missing? Okay, whatever. I don't know. I'm, re I'm telling you what Wikipedia told me. Leave me alone. <laughs> I will. So... <laughs> You know, we have this rule where, like, we don't ask each other questions no, on stage. and I break it every single every time. Every single time. Because, like, what if I fucked up and I don't know it? But don't, make, don't let me look dumb. But then every single time we're on stage, Christine's like, I have a question. <laughs> and I'm like, oh! And then I just blame Wikipedia every time. Well, I'm blaming the altitude, That's fine. I guess, so. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, 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 sure. So. Oh, there it is. So then my last fun fact, if you will, is fun. that the city offers... I heard someone go, oh my God, I'm full of fun facts. <laughs> Drink! <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so the city offers uh, ghost tours and one of the most infamous spots that they check out is always Cheeseman Park. Okay, cool. The end. Spooky, now, spooky. Now that we've gone through all that, I know you guys came here for the ghost, so let's just talk about that for a little bit. Oh. You guys are like, I had my history class. Where's my reward? History is. class is a relative term, but... Look, if this was the history I was learning, I would have been an expert in history by Probably, this time. Probably, yeah, life, me too. <laughs> uh, okay, let's just jump right into it. So, 
right when bodies started being removed from the cemetery, so this goes all the way back to the 1890s, uh, strange things have been happening on the property. Yay! So. Super. Uh, I'm, I tried to, like, rank them in, like, least scary to most scary so you have something to enjoy, but I don't know if I did that well. So you might get an occasional ah in there. So. <laughs> so uh, let's hope so. Let's see. So there are frequently, if you use equipment, like electromagnetic activity, if you're trying to test for that, um, a lot of equipment will regularly spike and not in the not consistently. So sometimes it'll be over in this patch, sometimes it'll be over here. So it's not which, like electrical wiring. There's no power yeah. lines or anything underneath the ground. So um, which is validating since it's not consistent because it's so random you don't know what's going on. Uh, many people have felt something grab their hands, arms, legs, and shoulders. That's least scary. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> We're going. I think. Okay. Good luck. Uh, a grave digger named Jim. <laughs> he felt uh -huh. a ghost grab his shoulders um, and then try to push him into an open grave. Oh, dear. And Jim never came back. I mean, he's alive. He just didn't come back to work. Wait, I was like, what the hell? Never came back from hell. I don't know. Oh, my God. You really scared me. No, Jim's fine. Well, he's dead now because that was God. in the 1800s. Oh. R.I.P. R.I.P. Maybe he is in hell now. Who knows? He might be because he was a grave digger, but while he was, uh, while he was hired to be a grave digger, he was also one of the looters and stealing from all those bodies. Oh, dear. So now we know No wonder someone tried to push him into a grave. Right. Well, yeah, so he was one of the first people to report feeling shoulders shove him into an open grave. Got it. Okay. Uh, there are also reports of... People seeing a woman walking around, often singing to herself. Mm, great. And then she vanishes. Nah. Awesome. Uh, a lot of people have claimed to see the outline of the original graves where they used to stand. Ew. Which I never even like thought the grave was. Stones? Yeah, like the Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Like no, there's no, no, no stone. There's no headstones now. But apparently when you're by yourself or when you're, I don't know, when it goes, it's trying to scare you. You'll see the <laughs> outlines of the original Headstone. I've never even heard of that one, so I'm always excited when there's a new That's type a of new haunting. That's a new one, yeah. Uh, you hear footsteps all the time, so I'm like, it's fun to hear that one. Uh, so when I say people I, from now on, I mean both visitors of the park and neighbors in their apartments. So uh, just for your information. So they often feel unbelievable grief or dread when walking down by the, like when walking on the street by the park. Um, a lot of people have reported having trouble getting up after sitting or lying down. Oh, oh. Um, apparently, especially if you're in the park, if you're just like having a picnic or something, you're like on the ground. Apparently getting up feels like you have like a hundred pounds holding you down. What the hell? Um, so you have to fight your way up to stand. Uh, a lot of people have seen children playing in the park and then they'll blink or turn around and nobody is there. Uh, a lot of people have seen small shadow figures running around in the park in the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> eh. Pass. I don't, I don't love that. I'll take a different route. I'd rather not be able to get up from my picnic blanket. <laughs> not, but imagine if you couldn't get up and you see the shadows running around well, you. Well, all right. Game changer. So... <laughs> <laughs> Some people have seen kids playing there at night and try to approach them to be like, where are your parents? And uh, 
And then the kids just look at you and just fade away. They're like, you ruined our game. Yeah. Uh, they've also heard children laughing, yelling, and running. Um, people have felt getting knocked into when they're in the park as if a little kid bumps into them. Mm. People have been grabbed, like I said, but they've also seen apparitions. This one was interesting because uh, you can people will see apparitions of what look like, I don't know, normal people walking around. Um, but half the time, people will see apparitions of people that look very dead. What? Apparently, you like see zombies. Like, I guess. Uh. Like, you see like oh, like a like someone who looks like they've been buried in the ground for a hundred years, okay, I guess. Okay, that's good. Um, I tried to look more into that to get like a description, but people just kept saying, I thought I saw a corpse standing up and then they blink and it's not there anymore. Oh, good. So enjoy your dreams tonight. Um, <laughs> thanks. Apparently uh, in the playground, the swings will also swing on their own. That could be the wind, but this is a paranormal show. So that was a fucking ghost. <laughs> Um, that's my job to say it was a heavy it was a bomb cyclone whatever that <laughs> guys if you go to that park right now I bet those swings are moving it's a lot of ghosts active tonight uh, people feel icy cold pressure and they say that when you try to walk away from it it will surround you that sounds just like this fucking bomb cyclone that's called Wait Denver a second, um, hold on it's the ghost of Denver it's all making sense uh, and then, classic, you feel like you're being watched and followed when you're alone. Well, that I can't explain. Sorry. There has also been a lot of paranormal activity reported uh, both day and night, which is kind of cool, because usually you just expect it to happen at night, but the exact same amount of activity happens 24 hours a day. Oh, dear. So you're never safe. Um, <laughs> there are several reports of misty and shadowy figures climbing and sitting in the trees. Firm pass. What the hell? Uh, also near the open graves with the shrubs that they tried to cover it up with, you can hear moaning, whispering, crying, and snickering. I don't like that. Nah. I don't know which one's worse, honestly. And the snickering. You, yeah. you know, I don't get to say that word a lot, so it seems newer, which means it's scarier. <laughs> yeah. Um, many people hear laughter, or they think someone is running by them and nobody's there. Oh, that's uh, the same bullet I already read. Whoops. I tried rewording it and using it earlier, and apparently I forgot to erase that. Eva, just Oops. cut that part out. It's fine. Eva, just erase that. So those living in the residential homes nearby say that the apartments have their own poltergeist activity. Oh, super. Uh, people have reported lights going on and off by themselves. They've seen doors, windows, and cabinets all fly open and closed all on their own. Um, they have seen someone in the reflections of their bathroom mirrors. Okay. Mm -mm. Uh, and also, uh, they, when they're looking out their windows on uh, upper floors, they will see floating heads staring at them. <laughs> Spirits will walk up and down the staircase. They'll walk through your walls and doors. They will walk up and stand right in front of you, like just waiting for you to react, apparently. Mm -mm. Um, they have also, people have also seen shadow figures uh, standing at the edge of their bed, and they have been woke... Oh. That Someone scared me more affected. than that did. Yeah. And uh, so standing at the foot of your bed, some people have woken up to feeling them sitting on your bed. Okay. Uh, 
Also, I if I don't remember what episode this was, but we talked about how much we love slash hate the show Scariest Places on Earth. Oh yes, because that, that like creepy s- little alien voice. Yeah. For those who don't know what I'm talking about, there's a show that like is not around anymore, but uh, the narrator I think is an alien. Well, no, she's from. She's the lady from. Everyone emailed us. She's a famous person. Fam- uh, you know well, who you know who I'm talking about, right? She. Uh, <laughs> Well, she does a really good anyway. impression of an alien. And it's all like, it's weird and creepy. And like five-year-old me refused no, to watch the show. No, it's very scary. Um, it's like a demonic high-pitched voice. It's really, yeah. it's really uncomfortable. It's very scary. No matter what age you are, just go YouTube an episode of that and you won't feel good. No. Um, so they talked, they had a whole uh, segment on this place. And they had two volunteers stay in a tent on top of an unmarked grave. And they tested out, so the two people staying in the tent, they tested out a compass and immediately it started going crazy uh, in every direction. And then their lantern went out. Oh, no. Um, and then multiple times on camera, uh, something starts banging on the outside of their tent. Uh-uh. Someone is definitely running around the tent. The tent is shaking and you can see shadows of people running around. And I thought, like, okay, well, that's, like, some sad intern that, like, had to just, like, <laughs> bang on the tent. Oh, no. I just thought of, like... Like a PA. Like, like your, your days on Disney yep. when you had to, like, go run around on, at tents. Oh, uh, sad. So I thought that was the case. But then the next thing that they show you is the camera pointing at the tent outside. And oh. nobody's running around. Oh, no. Um, nobody is banging on anything. And you can hear the same sounds of them screaming, like overlapped on both cameras. So, I mean, they edited it well if it's fake, but it scared me. (laughs) Um, Then the girls are petrified. They're like screaming. They clearly want to get out of there. And also, by the way, the person who's walking them through it over the walkie-talkie is a grade-A dick because (laughs) they're screaming and you can tell they're kind of crying and they're trying to keep their cool. And the the person on the walkie-talkie is like, there's no reason to react this way. It's like, what? You get in this motherfucking like, tent, sir. Climb on in. Come on. I cannot with that. I mean, we in the entertainment industry, uh-huh. we know anyone with a fucking walkie-talkie, man. Right. It's just like, that's how it goes. <laughs> if there's a walkie-talkie on them, we don't like them. No. That's what it is. Uh, then uh, the girls were like, okay, let's like get our shit together and like we're just going to try to go to sleep. And as one of them is trying to get into her sleeping bag, something grabs her back. Uh-uh. And she looks like she kind of got pushed um, in a weird way. Um, she starts screaming, and she's like, something definitely grabbed my back. Fuck this. And then they leave. Um, and Kevin fair. was like, Roger, yeah. hello? Yeah, exactly. 10 2? 10 Do you guys know what that means? No? No. It means poop, by the way. I thought that was our fun inside joke, and you just ruined it. For the people who got dragged here... Uh, if you're working, There's a lot of you, I'm sure. Yeah. If you're working on set and someone into the walkie-talkie, if you're like, oh, uh, where's Christine? And then Christine will just go, 10 to. It means like, I'm on I'm the busy. toilet is what it means. <laughs> so if you've ever heard that in a movie, now you know what's going on. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why you would hear that, but... You never know. Never know. Good bar trivia, I suppose. Yeah. So, uh... Then the, oh, so the girls felt something grab their back and they left. And uh, then they kind of got interviewed for a second after the fact, but you could tell they were really jarred. So they left and that was pretty much the end of the show. But I do have one story that really 
surprised me. It's I don't I it, I feel like it can't be real, but it didn't say it wasn't. So that sounds like the making of our entire podcast. Right. <laughs> Let's go. My whole segment should just be called Allegedly, because I never know. Uh, so one guy wrote a story about him and his friend walking through the park at night, um, and they heard a rattling chain, and it wouldn't leave them alone. They kept turning around. No one was there. Uh, and then finally they heard the rattling chain rattle a little too closely to them. And they turned around, and there were two people behind them. No. One was a kid uh, on a bike, and on the bike, there was a, a chain that was dangling. Uh, from, it was like dangling from the bike, so that was the sound they were hearing. Um, the kid on the bike was riding in circles around a uh, thin, pale man in a shredded, bloody hospital oh, gown. Oh, what? No. And then, I guess, the kid on the bike stops riding the bike because he realizes how stupid this probably looks. <laughs> and then... <laughs> walks with the guy in the gown to get closer to these two people uh, that wrote the story. What? Uh, and they can tell that the man's jaw is broken. Neither of them seem to really be like, they, they don't seem to be reacting to the fact that he looks this way or they don't, they're acting totally normal. And then uh, the guy says, asks for a cigarette. Wait, which guy? The guy with the broken jaw asks for a cigarette. I guess it wouldn't be the guy who sees a dead person. And... <laughs> okay, you're right. That is a stupid question. Okay, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> broken jaw guy asks for a cigarette. Okay. And then he said, uh, did you see them? Huh? Uh -huh. And the two guys were like, no, who are you talking about? And uh, the guy in the gown says, the ones who did this to me, they stabbed me 15 times. Oh, what the fuck? Then he lifts his gown sleeves, and you can see several deep wounds into his arms. Ugh. And then the two guys are like, shouldn't you be in the hospital? <laughs> <laughs> and then the guy with the broken jaw on the gown said, watch out for them. Ugh. And then him and the kid backed off and faded away. What the hell? I don't know what the kid with the bike was doing. Yeah, well, <laughs> he needs to go but home. But somehow he is an important part to that. Oh, my God. Anyway, if you see a, a guy in a bloody hospital gown, he might ask for a cigarette. And so. also call the police. Okay, just say, <laughs> that's my duty to say that part. Uh, anyway, all of that uh, is the story of Cheeseman Park. Yay! So. Woo, that was wild! That was spooky. Who doesn't love the good things in life? I know it's hard sometimes. We can't really all afford luxury items and that kind of thing. But that's why there's Quince, my favorite website, where I buy pretty much all my holiday gifts, where I buy pretty much all my clothes. It has become one of my bookmarked shopping sites. It's basically your go-to for luxury essentials at affordable prices. Quince offers a range of high-quality items at prices within reach, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters from $50 
washable silk tops and dresses, organic cotton sweaters, and 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Basically what they do is they partner directly with top factories, so Quince then cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes the savings on to you. And you don't have to feel bad because they actually work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. I mean, you gotta love that. No fast fashion here. I mean, for Christmas, I gave Blaze a cashmere sweater and some beautiful leather gloves, and it all looked like I had gone to the department store and spent like hundreds and hundreds of dollars, but it was all extremely affordable. And I got to feel like I was giving him something, you know, really next level, really luxurious. You should see me walk around my house in my cashmere robe, like I'm some sort of heiress. I can't say enough good things about Quince. Seriously, just go check them out. I I promise you, you'll probably find something you like. Give yourself the luxury you deserve with Quince. Go to quince.com slash drink for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash drink to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash drink. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace Courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Good one. Thank you. Good game. Good game. Hello, everybody. And now it's Christine's turn. <laughs> it's me. Hi. Let me make sure I have my notes. <laughs> yep. Okay. There was one time I was on stage and I opened up Our my notes. Our first show ever. Uh, I realized I had uh, the wrong notes for like a totally different show. Yeah. And then I had to, luckily I'd, I just printed the wrong ones, but then I had to make Eva like run up here and give me the, it was very awkward. And I just had to sit here. You don't like, want to see us like forcefully banter when there's like nothing to right. banter it's very uncomfortable especially when we've already pulled like the weather card with you yeah. guys there's not much else to pander but anyway know. i felt bad because we just sat here and like poor eva had to like go get the notes uh, and it took forever anyway well, it looks like i have the right one so good, you're good. in luck um okay guys i'm very excited to tell this story uh i don't know if you know it i hope so if not maybe pretend you do so that i don't get super nervous okay This is the story of the Spider-Man of Denver. Well, that sounds way cool. Four people really knew about it. And some were like, I guess she said I should clap. Okay. You said Spider-Man. I am ready. (laughs) I intentionally said Spider-Man. Because it's not like Spider-Man. It's Spider-Man. Okay. Uh... (laughs) So I want to give a little credit to a new podcast I discovered called Dark Histories Podcast, uh, as well as the Colorado Prison Museum, and of course, my favorite, murderpedia.org. That's where I got most of this information. So, all right, let's go back to 1941. 
my other favorite year. Yep. We remember it well. Uh, so this takes place at 3335 West Moncrief Place, which is in North Denver, 22 minutes north of here, I checked. Uh, it's a super cute, like, brick family home, and in the 40s, it was owned by a man named Philip Peters and his wife, Helen. Uh, they had lived there together for 40 years and raised a son together. Aww. They were a super happy couple in their 70s, and they were, like, super involved in their community. Uh, Philip played the mandolin. Oh, I know. I bet he did a good job. He did. <laughs> and he was a member of a local Denver musicians club for guitar and mandolin enthusiasts. Wow. So they were just like a super cute, you know, elderly couple. Sure. So in September of 1941, Helen Peters had unfortunately fallen and broken her hip, so she was staying in the hospital to recover for a few weeks. Uh, and this meant that Philip, her husband, would be at home by himself. He was 71 at this point. And he visited the hospital every day to see his wife, Helen, while she recovered. I love that. I know. He's great. <laughs> I like to think he played the mandolin for her, but I'm making oh. that up. Um, okay. So that meant that, uh, so he, obviously his wife, wife wasn't around. So a lot of the younger neighbors would kind of step in and help him around the house and would invite him over for meals uh, so that he wasn't alone. Um, on Friday, October 17th, okay, well, you know, things just get really sad here, so I'm sorry that... I hope you had fun laughing. Yeah. <laughs> I gave That's you two over. solid bullets of easy going. Things are about to go downhill. So, October 17th, uh, Philip was due for dinner at the neighbors, and their names were Mr. and Mrs. Ross, uh, but he didn't show up, and Mrs. Ross thought that was odd because he was never late. Um, so she got a little worried. She went to check if Philip was okay. Strangely, all the lights at the house were off and nobody was answering the front door. <sighs> yeah. Uh, Mrs. Ross saw her neighbor Doris passing by and asked if Doris <laughs> would help hoist her over the fence. I like, I like that she's nosy. She's like, I'm going to figure this out. And you know Doris is obviously wandering around just trying to... I've, I've never met a Doris who wasn't willing to help. Oh, like, for like, sure. It's like, I got you. You She's need like, help? I'll be complicit in this act, whatever, yeah. it, whatever it may be. <laughs> so Mrs. Ross had a key to Philip's house, like, to come and help him out and check on him and stuff. So she gets hoisted by Doris right over that fence. That's right. Uh-huh. Um, and she's able to unlock the back door. She enters the house and switches on the kitchen light, only to see the room covered in blood. Yeah. Um, the blood is spattered up the walls. It trails through the doorway into the front rooms of the house. Uh, Mrs. Ross followed the trail of blood, which, uh, good for you, but... Whew. She followed the trail of blood. She found the body of Philip Peters lying face down in the front bedroom. Obviously called police immediately, and when they arrived, they determined that Philip had been struck 37 times... With a blunt object. Oh, my God. Uh, many of the wounds were lacerations to his front forearms, suggesting he had defended himself. And laying next to him was his walking stick, which had broken in half, suggesting he had used it as, like, a defense Aww. weapon. Yeah, sorry. It's not good. <laughs> Whoops. Um, right. So in the kitchen, uh, investigators found fragments of the butt of a revolver on the floor, as well as a cast iron stove poker that appeared to be out of place. Oh, no. And so they were like, these are probably the murder weapons. Sent them back for fingerprint checks. You know those. Fingerprint oh. checks. Nah. <laughs> right. The oh, lab. Yeah. They're, they're at the lab. Uh, 
So initially, detectives were like, oh, this is probably a robbery. Um, someone came in and didn't realize he was home and attacked him. Um, but then they realized there was one problem, which is that every single door and window in the house was still locked. And they were like, huh, that's odd. Then they looked around the house and found more than $400 kind of like laying around. And they were like, okay, maybe it wasn't a robbery because the person would have taken that. So very mysterious. Um, Philip also didn't have any known enemies. So there was nobody that they could kind of point to as breaking in and trying to attack sure. for revenge or anything like that. Uh, so police were stumped. Uh, the murder continued to go unsolved for months, and police were still baffled as to how the intruder would have gotten in or out of the house. Um, the case basically stalled, and police were stuck. And meanwhile, Philip's wife, Helen, had recovered from her injury, and she was coming home from the hospital, and she had to go home to the empty house. Oh, no. But because she was alone, she hired two nurses to help her, one during the day and one during the night. Um, so everyone, so she settled into that lifestyle. She had two nurses. Uh, everyone, everything seemed to be okay. Everyone seemed to be moving on. And then uh, police got a very interesting phone call. Okay. From Spider-Man? From Spider-Man. <laughs> I this, would like that phone call. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is my fanfic, actually. My Spider-Man <laughs> fanfic. <laughs> I'm testing it out. No, no, no. It's, it's a <laughs> Spider-Man and his sidekick, Doris. <laughs> What a story. Eva, write that down, because that would be good. Okay. So police received a strange call. One of Helen's nurses, Edith Clark, told police she believed the house was haunted. Well, she's right. <laughs> she was hearing noises in the walls, footsteps in empty rooms, items would go missing throughout the house, newspapers would vanish, and trays of food left out for Helen would be moved and messed with, despite Helen swearing she hadn't touched the food. Helen herself did not hear any of this activity when police asked, but then they realized she was hard of hearing, so they were like, okay. So they asked the other nurse, um, and she said, oh, yeah, I hear things all the time. Okay. And so they asked Hattie, which is, who's the night nurse, and Hattie said, yeah, I hear things all the time, but I just ignore them. And they were like, well, what do you hear? And she said, okay, I ignored most things. It was footsteps and banging in the walls, et cetera. <laughs> I'm serious. Not things I'd ignore. <laughs> she obviously wasn't a listener. Of right, our show. right. Uh, she said, you know, I kind of ignored things until one day uh, a neighbor stopped by. And this neighbor, so it was a next door neighbor, and they had had a doorbell installed from Helen's bedroom to their house so that if she were in distress or... Oh, wow. I know. And so it was, she would ring it, and it, like it, she rarely, if ever, rang the bell. But if she did, it would go to the neighbor's house, and they would come over and either call the police or whatever it may be that was going on. So uh, one day this neighbor rushes over, like all frantic, and uh, says, is everything okay? Is everything okay? And Helen was home alone at this point. And Helen's downstairs sitting in her chair, and it's like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't ring the bell. And everyone thought that was kind of odd because none of the nurses were home, and Helen was downstairs, and there was no way that she would have been able to get up the stairs and back in the time Got that it. the neighbor ran over. So that's when Hattie was kind of like, yeah, maybe we should look into what this might be. So thanks for coming around, Hattie. Um, <laughs> it's about time. You're on board. Yeah. Okay. Please hold. <laughs> cool. We're good. So things kind of just kept escalating like this uh, until one night when Nurse Edith heard a soft tapping sound but told herself it was just the woodpeckers. 
So remember that, I guess, if you're scared. Right. When the swings are going crazy yeah. and she's in the park. Just the woodpeckers. It's just the bomb cyclone knocking at the door. Right. Uh, she said, okay. So she hears the soft tapping. She's like, I thought it was a woodpecker. She walked into the kitchen and she saw the door to the stairway slowly open. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. She said a foot came out and then a thin white hand. <laughs> she screamed, obviously. Duh. And then the figure disappeared behind the door. So she was like, enough, and called police. Uh, they came right away, did a full search of the property, found nothing. And just to let you know, the stairs weren't going upstairs, so they weren't like stairs to the basement or outside or anything. They were stairs to the upstairs. So they cleared the whole house, found nothing, um, and they told Edith this, and she was like, well, I wrote this. This is probably not what she said. But I wrote, IDC, I quit. <laughs> Essentially. You're, she was... probably, you're probably paraphrasing well, though. <laughs> I'd like to think so. In any case, she was like, I don't care, I'm leaving, and I don't want to do this job anymore. And then they asked Hattie how she felt, and she's like, if she's quitting, I'm quitting. And good job, good job. They asked her, the, she told a reporter later, I wasn't going to stay in no haunted house. And I was like, finally. <laughs> so Philip and Helen had an adult son named Philip Jr., um, and he lived in Grand Junction, Colorado. Okay, six people know about it. Uh, he heard about all the things that were going on, and he came back to see his mom, and he was like, please, like, you shouldn't live here anymore. Come live with me and my wife back in Grand Junction. Um, and she resisted at first because this was her home, and she didn't want to leave, but uh, she knew that since both of her nurses quit, uh, she was going to have a hard time living by herself. So right. she went uh, reluctantly with her son and moved in with him and his wife. So, once again, so now the house is empty. Everyone's kind of like, okay, the case is cold. Things are moving on. And then police started to get some more strange phone calls. This time, they were from the neighbors. And the neighbors said they saw shadowy apparitions in the windows of the empty house. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> they insisted that throughout the week, the blinds would change positions. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, I bet they did. I bet it was a ghost, too. They did. And so people were calling so often. And because police didn't have any other leads, they would drive out and check every single time somebody called. So they searched the house thoroughly every single time. Each time they found nothing but empty rooms, locked doors, locked windows. Still could not figure this out. So obviously police were frustrated. So for five days straight, they had two policemen stationed out on the front porch to keep watch for five days doing nothing else, and they just sat there, probably bored out of their minds, and saw nothing and heard nothing. And listened to our podcast and to listened. keep company. And, <laughs> and wished that in the 1940s they had podcasts. Right. <laughs> um, right, so they just sat there for five days, nothing happened, and they were like, well, if we're not hearing anything for five days, you know, people are overreacting or seeing things. So, of course, the media caught wind of this, and pretty quickly the papers began calling Phillips' murder the ghost slayings, and the house developed the nickname the Ghost House of Denver. So on July 30th, 1947, two detectives were patrolling the neighborhood, and so it became, for whatever reason, standard procedure to just, like, if they were in the neighborhood, they would go check the house. They were like, one oh. of these days we'll find something. Right. 
So these two guys were like, all right, we got to walk through the house. So they're walking through the house, um, did a sweep, and during their routine search, they both heard a faint noise coming from upstairs. Hmm. Hmm. They ran upstairs through the bedroom and into a small back storage room where the noise was coming from. And there they were met by the sight of two legs. I don't like these legs. Because <laughs> first, there's a door opening and someone just like, like right, dips right, right, the right. toe, dips the toe. Oh, yeah. And now, all of a sudden, there's just like two other little guys. We haven't seen above the knee and I'm nervous. Well, you've come to the right place because... The attic. The legs are scrambling up into a small false panel in the back of a closet. So they grabbed the legs and pulled. And they pulled out a pale, emaciated man. They later described him as, quote, beetle-browed, wide-eyed, and pale as a ghost. He hated sunlight and was the color of a mushroom. (laughs) Sounds like a fun guy. I quit. IDC, I quit. I'm literally... Em literally had to explain that to me. I was like, why is everyone clapping? I went, one guy, one guy. God damn it. (laughs) I'm such an idiot. Okay. (laughs) I know. (sighs) Okay. They also said he looked like a spider that scurries for darkness when you pick up a stone. Well, I kind of wondered that because if they're grabbing his legs, I imagine like his He's, legs like, scurrying flailed. up. Yeah, he was literally scurrying up a little panel. Okay, so on July 30th, 1947, two detectives were... Pat- oh, I said that. Stop. Delete that. Put that out of your brain. I was going to tell you all over again just so I could hear M's hilarious joke. <laughs> okay. I'll remind you of it like four times oh, tonight. I Don't know. worry. I'm not going to hear the end of it. So, uh, his clothing had rotted and was held together by string and rope, and despite being six feet tall, he weighed only 75 pounds. Oh, my. Oh, my. Yeah, it was bad. Um, So, they took him down to the station, where he told them his name was Matthew Cornish, and he worked in advertising. (laughs) Huh. (laughs) But then, they fed him a hamburger... An apple pie and a coffee. And he was like, yeah, I was lying. And they're like, yeah, we know. (laughs) Ay, ay, ay. So, (laughs) oh my God. Okay. So they fed him a hamburger, an apple pie, and a coffee. Then he gave in and told them his real story. So he said his name was Theodore Edward Conies. He had killed Philip Peters. Mm. Theodore Edward Conies. So he had been born in 1882 in Illinois, and he had suffered from our favorite consumption, Mm. tuberculosis, as a child, and was told... Please see a doctor. Oh, no. Oh, no. Don't love that. Okay. So he had suffered from tuberculosis as a child. He was told he wouldn't live to see his 18th birthday, so he just dropped out of high school, and his mom kind of uh, sheltered him. He had always wanted to play baseball as a kid, but his mother insisted that he was too frail, so she pushed him into studying music instead. And as a result, he came per- became pretty good at the mandolin. Hmm. Does I anyone see. remember that? Oh, I remember. Okay. 
Uh, so, Theodore did indeed obviously survive into his adult years, but he found himself homeless off and on through his adult life. Um, at one point, he moved to Denver and joined the local mandolin club. And this is where he met Helen and Philip. So, Helen and Philip noticed that Theodore was down in his luck, that he didn't have much money, and so they often invited him over for dinner and for food, and they gave him uh, money to kind of make his way. Got it. Um, but then he left Den Denver at one point, and he decided he was going to pursue a number of business ventures, maybe advertising. I don't know. I don't know how, <laughs> how true that part was, but all of them failed. Um, he tried to kind of con his way, and it just didn't work. So unfortunately, after 30 years of sort of aimless wandering throughout the U.S., he found himself back in Denver, broke and homeless. And so at this point, I have to change the page. Shit, that was so smooth, I thought, and then it, and then it wasn't. So at this point, <clears throat> it had been 30 years since he had been in Denver and since he had last seen Helen and Philip. so he remembered how kind they had been to him, how hospitable, and he was like, you know what, I'm going to stop by their house, ask if I can have some hot food and maybe some money. Um, so he goes to their house. Uh, he approaches just in time to see Philip leaving with a neighbor to go visit his wife Helen in the hospital like he did every day. I see. So rather than wait for Philip to return, uh, Theodore is like, well, let's just see if the door's open. Oop. And it was. So he, I don't know if Doris pushed him in there or what, but he somehow got over that <laughs> fence. I don't know how, but he hoisted himself over that fence. <laughs> and he found the back door unlocked. Um, so he helped himself to Helen and Philip's food. And then uh, just basically meandered through the entire house looking through drawers and cabinets. And then upstairs in a storage room, he found a small uh, plywood panel. It was 8 inches by 15 inches. Uh, and it was in the top of a closet, and it functioned as a trap door to a tiny coffin-shaped attic. Ah. Yeah. The attic was 3 feet high, uh, 7 feet long, and 4 feet wide. Ooh. Yeah. It's a tiny, tiny, tiny space. little space, and it was um, like vaulted. So at the highest point, it was uh, three feet. Oh my god! And then the rest wow. shrunk down. Right. Um, okay. So blah, 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 blah. he would. He was like, you know what? I know Philip's gonna come home soon, but I'm just gonna stay here. So he hid out in the attic. This and place looks nice. This <laughs> place looks nice. Yeah. For several weeks, he lived in this crawl space, sneaking out whenever Philip would go visit Helen in the hospital. And he'd also sneak out at night. Uh, he would wait till he heard Philip snoring, and then he would come out of the little hidey hole, go to the kitchen, and sneak just enough food out of the freezer that it wouldn't be noticeable. Uh, he found an old crystal set in a closet and a pair of headphones, so he was able to create his own radio to listen to. Uh, he slept on an ironing board. I don't know where he got that, but... Uh, he even shaved with Philip's razor when he wasn't home. Mm. Yeah, pretty nasty. Uh, then Theodore said he got bored. Aw, <laughs> oh, man. Aw, shucks. So he said he developed a super fun game. And that was, whenever Philip was walking around the house, he would follow him and shadow his movements. And if Philip sensed someone was behind him, he would jump into, around a corner, into a closet and hide. Isn't that the creepiest thing you've literally That's ever heard? That's such an adrenaline-inducing... Yeah, it's terrible. That's just anxiety-ridden. Okay. He said it was thrilling. So he said, like, if he was making tea or, you know, cleaning the house or whatever, he would, like, follow him and, like, shadow all his movements. Oh, so, 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 so creepy. Uh, so he said that was how he entertained himself. So that's good. 
anyway, things just got worse from here, obviously. On Friday, October 17th, uh, thinking that Philip had left to visit Helen in the hospital, Theodore snuck out uh, around 4 p.m. Turns out Philip was just taking a nap. Uh-oh. And he heard someone rooting around in his kitchen. So Philip went downstairs, and both of them were shocked to see the other one standing in front of them. Uh, and Theodore, like, without even thinking, grabbed an old revolver that was hanging on the wall and hit Philip over the head with it. So Philip fell, but he managed to crawl toward the phone in the dining room, and he said he was going to call the police. So Theodore followed him, hitting him again and again until he stopped moving. And after that, he went back to the freezer and grabbed some food and went back to his little cubby hole. Oh, my. I don't know what. He literally just stayed there. He just went back upstairs. He's like, well, that was a wild day. Yeah, he was like, I was surprised to see the police there the next morning. I was like, what? Why? Anyway. So he went back to his little hidey hole. Um, He was able to listen to the news about the investigation through his makeshift radio. So that's how he kind of kept track of what was going on. Um, As time went on, he continued living in the crawl space. He would come out occasionally for food or the newspaper, unknowingly becoming the ghost of the Denver ghost slings. So that's how people saw him. kind, Or that's how the nurses would hear his footsteps and noises in the walls. Sorry, it's not a ghost. Mm, okay. <laughs> he admitted that sometimes he stood in Helen's bedroom and watched her sleep. Ugh. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Ugh. Ugh. Okay. Ugh. Okay. Uh, Theodore managed to live in the attic undiscovered for almost 10 months before police finally caught him. Uh, he even explained that when police initially searched the house, like the day of Philip's murder, uh, they had come across the trap door and had tried to push it open, but he said he held on it with all his might, and they just kind of, they said, oh, it's too small, like, I'm sure nobody's up there, and so they just tried pushing it open, two people couldn't open it, and they moved on. So the papers described Theodore as, quote, living like a spider, which is uh, how he got his new moniker, the Spider-Man of Denver. Um, In his official statement, he explained, quote, it's been a nightmare. (laughs) I can't imagine. I can't. Nearly 10 months of hellish, terrible nightmare, and now that it's all coming onto the open, I feel relief. You can't live like a creature damned without thinking thoughts that burn deep in your soul. I'm like, nobody put you there. (laughs) Leave. Nobody made you go there. The house is empty. You can leave anytime. You can leave. (sighs) He said, you see, I had never committed a crime before, not even a petty one. Yes, justice will come to me as it should. Dot, dot, dot. So, for whatever reason, despite that confession, Theodore pled not guilty to first-degree murder. (laughs) Can't explain it. Uh... (laughs) The trial began at the end of October 1942. It lasted for six days, after which the jury declared Theodore Coney's guilty of first-degree murder. He was sentenced to life in prison with physical labor at the Colorado State Penitentiary. And rather than dismay, Theodore expressed relief at having a better home than he'd had in years. (laughs) And that is the story of the Spider-Man of Denver. (laughs) I like that. Spooky, oofy. I thought you might like the noises in the walls and the blinds. And well, the... I expected a ghost and Spider-Man, and neither of them happened, but <clears throat> I still enjoyed it. You didn't like my fanfic? I actually... 
actually, that was probably one of my favorite stories you've done. I like that a lot. Oh, okay. Well, it's a good one. Thanks. Uh, thank you guys for having thanks, us. Ooh, what a time. What a city. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.